You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The losing streak is over. We're all wearing bags. Nothing makes sense anymore. Mike Yo is here. Let's talk about it all right now. This is the Orange and Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. It is episode 96 of Orange and Back Check. And as always, a guy across from me that got a fresh grocery bag from Acme or Acme if you're from Philly. Scott Weinhardt, what's going on, brother? Well, it, it might have been Kmart's back in the day when those plot place was still open. That was K-Mart. enough. My uncle used to Kmart's. That's what he used I'm to I'm convinced I just, I live by, or I lived by the final Kmart. There was a Kmart on Street Road up in Southampton, Warman's area. I swear it lasted way longer than any other, any other Kmart I, I knew or, or read about. So Listen, not that I'm actively reading about Kmart, but you get the idea. Well, I mean, I, Kmart was one of those things where it was like the, the last of a dying breed. Think about it, because there's not just Kmart, but years ago before that, Caldor was around, was the same concept that closed. And they had Bradley's that was around and that closed. So like there was everything all in one department store like that in a small town. They, they don't work anymore. Mm. Now they make it go to the mall or go on Amazon. Or, and it, or TJ Maxx is still kicking. TJ Maxx is a smaller scale to that to that yeah, Kmart model, but that's more it, discount, like Ross right. and like yeah, Marshalls and stuff like that. Like you yeah. go in there and you find like a, a brand new like Nike shirt for like eight dollars. It's fantastic. Might have yeah. a hole in it, but it's great. It might have a hole in it, <laughs> just like the Flyers' defense and blue line. <laughs> oh God, gaping hole. Not that big. They you can tell. You can tell it was an exhilarating week of hockey, even with a new coach. When the most exciting things are Kmart discussion. And when we get into the discussion about how for at least 24 hours and beyond, whenever the Flyers play from now on, bag it to broad is going to be the, the, the thing like you like. And they I'm convinced, too, after they ended the streak in Vegas, that they were leaned into it a little bit. Oh, Their social media team did. leaned into it because they read the room and saw what happened. If you were living under a rock. Uh, and missed it earlier this week when they were between Vegas, jer- between the Devils game in Vegas. Uh, they, a Twitter movement of epic proportions moved along where everyone was photoshopping themselves in bags. Yoda was wearing a bag. Baby Yoda was wearing a bag. Uh, like it, a, sh- a classic paper bag with a frowny face. It was incredible. And uh, it's just one of those things where it's how I think to, in today's era, in today's social climate or social media, how it works is how you get a team's attention. Because the bigger issue on this team isn't 
is the the biggest issue isn't the coach, isn't the roster, isn't the draft picks, isn't the farm system. It's the ownership group. I mean, Comcast has completely oh, yeah. failed this team. You said it on last week's episode. The, the Flyers' grit and identity died with Ed Snyder, sadly. Like, it was just one of those things. As soon as he passed, nothing felt the same anymore. It felt very corporate, very, eh, we'll get there. But, hey, season ticket holders are at an all-time return rate, so why why change anything? Like, well, what are we doing here? I think it's crazy how we just get over a 10-game losing streak with this team, and nobody's even very happy about it because it's – yes. I, I feel like that they Comcast Spectacle needs to sell the team. You know, whoever is the manager, uh, Comcast Spectacle owns and operates it, uh, or operates it. Whoever the specific owner is, and how they yeah, do it's that, Dave that Scott. Comcast, Dave yeah, Scott is the is, acting is, CEO, whatever, yeah. whatever you want to call him. He's barely there. I mean, he's put out maybe one video, two videos talking, quote unquote, talking. And if you go around and look at the popular uh flyers twitter accounts it even there's a meme of him sitting in a lounge chair atop yeah. of the wells fargo center and it looks in the like, revolutionary row yeah yes, what you're talking about it looks like he has a slap on like what you put on the back of your car window a slap on flyers logo like it's not on an authentic piece of merchandise they were just like he showed up one day with a vest and they were like dude where's you're shooting a flyers video where's your flyers gear and he doesn't have any. Like or maybe that just maybe they didn't want to wear, wear anything with the forest promoting anything specific like that. Just put a little logo on there. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it was like, just embarrassing. Like too and, corporate. Yeah. It's it's way too corporate. You know, they need that. They need there needs to be some sort of investment group that sees this in Philadelphia and says, you know what? If you get like four or five guys together, and generally some of those things have problems. You have managing partners. I believe the Phillies will do something similar to that. Yeah, and yeah, that's a good. You, that's you a do. good point. You, you buy the team. Somebody needs to buy the team. Somebody needs to take that off Comcast's hands because the problem is they're going to be in this inevitable rotation of mediocrity because they're they're not good enough to win anything, but they're not bad enough to keep you disinterested. And, and I feel like that, that is the mediocrity that we've seen for the last decade where it makes good money, but you don't need an outstanding product to do it. Getting in and out in the playoffs every season is acceptable to them. They say – it's word speak that we want to win a Stanley Cup. Oh, really? Do you? Do you really want to win a Stanley Cup? Because if you really want to win a Stanley Cup, you wouldn't be allocating resources in the way that you do. You wouldn't be adding this ridiculously soft product. You wouldn't be in ownership meetings saying, yeah, let's try to lock out the players and try to, you know, make things where they have to have more of a split so there's no player movement and stuff like that. That's the problem is that it's become so corporate and it's not ownership groups who legitimately are competitive and want to win like a guy like Mr. Snyder. It's all about business now. And it's not the same. Now, I love watching hockey. I love the game itself. I criticize the Flyers for this specifically because that's what it's turned into. That's their identity. Like, it all said it with gritty. That was step one. Mm -hmm. Step two was changing the logo from either side of the red line at the center circle to one big logo with a line going through, it looks like crap. It looks like you just want to have a big display of logo. Well, having a line go through it, the reason why Mr. Snyder never did that is because why would you have a line going through your logo? You could put two on each side and have it, everybody looking at it the right way. It, it's, it's just little things like that, like I've mentioned before, that just show that this does not care. And what makes it even worse is that the bag it's a broad movement, which is the fans telling the ownership that they're completely embarrassed. And then the social media team buys into it. Like, let's roll with it. It's our identity now. Yeah, your identity is that your fans are embarrassed. 
They yeah. are freaking embarrassed. Yeah, like don't mistake. Like people were, some people were saying, like, can the Flyers go on a winning streak here after they won in Vegas? And honestly, that was a, and we'll get into it how that was felt like a lucky win. Like Carter Hart oh. forty one saves. Like, but and then you win again in 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 Arizona, and you bag another two points, and you're not on a winning streak yet. If you win against New Jersey at home in a couple in tomorrow night. Then yeah, you're on a win streak. Two games is just two in a row. Congratulations! Right, you're doing the bare minimum of what we right. expect of you after losing freaking ten games in a row. Yeah. Now the good thing is history is on the freaking side of the Flyers somehow. And the last two times that they've had a ten game losing streak, they've they made, made the play. playoffs. Yeah. So I, I I mean it's a joke that we're at that point where they'll you you brought it up. I think either in a text chain with me myself and, and our social media yeah, and, guy Matt. Well, it was a couple seasons ago that they've done this, and then yeah. they, the only season they had the ten game winning streak, they missed the playoffs under Dave Haxtall. Correct. And and I think that was seventeen eighteen or you know what I mean I think it was seventeen eighteen if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, uh, you know that's that's what drives me absolutely bonkers is that you know they've just they've accepted this thing of mediocrity now. No offense to Mike Yo, nobody has a right to go out there and start attacking him yet after what's happened the past couple of games. So, I when you change a coach like that, you're not getting an X's O's right away. You're talking the little things first. The only thing you're going to see immediate improvement is sometimes it creates a spark because you're just doing things a little differently, which is what you're seeing in Vancouver. Boost Brujo, Bach Bresser's been going because he's been giving him more ice time. Elias Pedersen's been going because he's getting more ice time. They're going to change things up. Yo's going to coach team his way. But you, it's way too early to say, oh, well, you know, they need to go out and get something else right now. Now, listen, I will maintain that I am still on the Tocket train. I just think with the, the way Rick Tocket is, I feel like that that would be a good what, you know, getting back to the core of Flyers hockey. But again, Mike Yo deserves a chance. Now, defensively, they haven't looked great. <laughs> I mean, they haven't, you know, you but you. You give up 41 shot or sorry, 44 shots against the Golden Knights. Carter Hart stands on his head and makes ridiculous amounts of saves to do that. And you're lucky enough where, yeah, you had 25 shots on goal, but you were going against Laurent Brassois, who's probably not one of the better backup goaltenders in the league anymore. He was yeah. with the Jets, but not anymore. Um, still, you got lucky with that. And then you go against playing one of the worst team in hockey in Arizona. And if you don't like the floor of them, which you didn't really wipe the floor of them, they, they tried to claw back in that one. That's a problem, but coming off the back-to-back, it's a step in the right direction. It's a good start, but this team's still got a long way to go, and I I, I, I would continue to support the bag-it-to-broad movement because still, until this team makes absolute changes to show that they are devoted, like, for instance, this season, I'll say this. They're going to have to find a way to be buyers at the deadline if they're close enough. I'm telling you. It, like That's a good – that's an interesting thing, like, because you, you – well, one, I don't think they have much to sell. Like if they decide they if, if, they if, clogged, if they're that's about it. Right. Like if they're all of a sudden on again, 10 games under 500, 15 games, whatever you want to say, and it's completely over, like it's done and over with they're like, what are you going to sell? You're going to try to sell. Like you said, you're going to approach Giroux and say, hey, can you do it? Will you waive your no cl- trade clause? You can maybe get a sixth or a seventh round pick out of JVR. Konechny, maybe a third, a fourth at best. Like I, I like, there's nothing of value anymore on this team. Couturier is your best bet, and he just signed a fresh contract that's team friendly. Like someone might take it, 
but it's not going to exactly. net you anything close to what you expect to out of out of, out of a guy that's a Selkie winner in the past no, and no, no. one of your best player, if not your best player on the team right now. No, not they'd named go, Carter Hart. They'd go the Patrice Bergeron route with him and really model the franchise around him and build it around him, like get a yeah. guy like Marshan, something along those lines. But you hope that Travis Connecty can turn into one of these days. Yeah. Um. Well, you know, here's what here's where it cracks me up is that it just again though like you they're gonna look at this and say to me a commitment would be okay you know what we're close enough we're gonna go buy someone we're gonna go buy something at the deadline and maybe give up a good asset for that you know if you're we're near near the playoff race you're in mid-round first draft pick anyway you know yeah you had to give up risk to give what up on first to line it but you know what maybe we can give away another second or a third or some give something away to go get a guy that you know is going to bolster you up because you might need more depth of the way Ellis has been hurt with not having enough depth on D because now they're calling up other players. Nate Sealer cannot continue to be your sixth defenseman. Yeah. Long story short, it's just yeah. they, they got they got to show that commitment for that bag to broad movement to stop. But again, they're not because now they got it's to not going to stop. I, they're going to think of this. Yeah. Well, it, if Giroud doesn't come back, we need a new poster boy, and that's Sean Couturier, so we can't give anything up like that. We need guys to sell. We got to sell that jersey. Everything's going to revolve around that. It always has, yeah. but it's more prevalent now when the team sucks. They're not playing well. They realize that's what they're going to be looking for. Now, rebuild the roster. There's not really not much they can do because they really don't have the talent in the pipeline, all the, the good talent in the pipeline. They have to wait for their guys to develop. Morgan Frost, you know, as one example, Tyson Forster, once he gets healthy, build around Carter Harpy and your poster boy. They don't really have everything that they'll put together, but they need to buy the deadline if they're close enough. I know we're way off from there. And I know completely off topic here, but that's what I think that this team needs to show a commitment to say, okay, you know what? They, they, maybe they do want to do something. Maybe they do want to win. Yeah. And, and it's just one of those things where it, it, like we've talked about it, not last season, the season prior in 1920, like they were on a hot streak and people had hesitancy. They were, they were, we were talking about the low attendance rates, uh, the not low television ratings. They're usually always good, but like, the hesitancy on social media, like what this that team really was, and they got hot at the right time, obviously. And then the, the COVID bubble. We, if we thought that hesitancy was right and and called for, imagine what this has hesitancy is going to be for this team that is now on a ten, just coming off a ten game losing streak, six points out of the playoffs with uh, two more games played against ba- over Boston, who has the two games in hand in that last final wild card spot. Like, and and it's just a gauntlet. I mean that that. The Metropolitan is gauntlet. The East itself is a gauntlet between Tampa and Boston and yep. all these other teams in the Atlantic Division or whatever it is called now. I don't, Metro and Atlantic, right? I, yep. Why am I? Metro and Atlantic, yeah. So it, it's just one of those things where if you thought ten games is is a crappy uh, thing to do, imagine what you got to do to get us back after that. Like yep. you, it's not just a look at us. We're on a two game win streak or whatever you want to call it. No, you you gotta. You got to show us not just the fact that you can come back and rebound to a three, four at best five game win streak. Because if you're, but like just consistency playing, not just barely winning these games like you did in Montreal, excuse me, in, in Vegas and Phoenix, but dominating these games. And you have a chance coming this week because your schedule is pretty easy up in, before the Christmas break when you got to take on Washington and Pittsburgh. So this week right here, these three games against lesser, quote-unquote, opponents is pretty big. Oh, it's huge. And, you know, you look at this team, and 
I don't know why they can't beat the Devils. I just it's always they've been a thorn it's in the, the sign for years. Yeah, it's so it, frustrating when they can't beat a team up the, up the turnpike. That it's, it's just that's frustrating. It's always one team in their division, whether it's the Rangers in 2012 during the Winter Classic when they got swept by them in the yep. season series yep. and they could not beat them. Then there's the Pittsburgh every once in a while. There's Washington every once in a while. Rangers again. Like it's always one team in their division that they can simply not beat that particular season and sadly it's the devils and their devils are fighting with you right alongside you for that final wild card spot yeah they've struggled a while against the devils and i think the other team that you know might, might get your break this year is is the islanders because the Islanders fed so many problems this year you know they're they're the only team below the flyers right now surprisingly enough but i think that they're yeah. gonna get a lot of pass with everything that's going on did you see that i, I meant to ask, text you about this did you see the rumor that if the islanders had lost the game want to say it was going to be next or excuse me last thursday maybe friday they were going to if they had lost that game it would have given them like five or six loot game losing streak they would have fired barry trotz that day and then the flyers would have hired barry trotz now listen i don't know why people bought into that legitimate rumor it is a mind-boggling thing that people are fascinated with social media that they catch up on the they see this shit and they're like, oh my God, the Islanders lose. They're gonna, and then of course they beat Ottawa, and that that's the end of it. Like, who cares? Yeah. Uh, listen, I, I don't I don't buy half the rumors that go in there. I yep. you know, if I see something from like Frank Sever Valley or Elliot Friedman or you know, guys like uh, uh guys from TSN.ca. You know, that'll be like, okay, that's got some legs to it. Like, especially Elliot Freeman, because he's got a lot of connections there. Yeah. But, you know, half of this stuff, it's just people like shooting for things, that sort of thing. You know, the only, the only, time, I, the only time I really knew that something was coming up was I, I got an inside track on uh, on the, what's it called? The the Quenville issue. I knew it was mm-hmm. already going well beforehand, before that already came up. I, knew, I, I heard about that. But yep. other than that, I don't really pay attention to too much stuff because a lot of it's just spec, a lot of it's just to get retweets, a lot of it's to get that kind of stuff. It's not, it's all social media. It's all about getting the eyeballs on it. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Speaking of which, you should follow us on Twitter at Orange yeah. Backcheck if you have. Yeah, we already. definitely need more eyeballs on that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think it's always funny. Like, I do want to give Mike Yo a chance, but then you also see incidents, not incidents. That's a weird way to put it. But like during an intermission report or a post game with with, with Tockett, who's obviously over at uh, is it TNT? TNT. So yeah. he's over at TNT in the pregame, and they're coming back from commercial, and Tockett's not to be seen, and they're like. Yeah, he just got a phone call and he walked off the set. We don't know. And like there was speculation, obviously, that he was on the phone with the Flyers. And listen, I'm welcome talk it just like you at this point, especially because as I'm going to explain in a matter of moments, I was way wrong on Tortorella. Like Torts is a complete joke with his crap. Not just not the uh, yeah, I know, I know, come on, know. come on, you were right, come on, you tell, were right. I said always. I told you so. Just get you it over told with. me so. I should have listened. Like Torts is, and honestly, it's not the the discipline stuff and all that. It's just that he's like his criticism on that Anaheim goal, where I, I forget who the two players were, but the, Trevor Zegras and then um, uh, what's uh, he used to Sonny Milano, one of one of one of Tortorella's former players, right. right. So either way, like if you saw if you saw he picked it up the stick of the the puck with his stick, latched it over the net, dropped it, and it went into the net for the goal. Like he tried to do the Michigan, he tried yes. to do the Michigan, and he flipped it to Milano. Milano hit it like a baseball right out of there. It was sick. 
Yeah. It's a sick goal. It's that an incredible creativity. goal. It gets highlights. It gets eyeballs to the casual fan. That's like, holy crap, this is awesome. And like the skill it takes to do that. Yes. Is hand-eye coordination. And then Torts just comes in here, talks on ESPN and goes, this is bad for the game. How dare you do this? Like, go F yourself, dude. Like you, we, again, we talked about AV being this old dinosaur, but he seemed like he got it at times that he understood the way of the game had to be played and knew that there was, I mean, the Flyers never had a goal like that, never did, never will, based on what we see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, but, but like the, 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 he understood the fun of the game. Torch just seems like a guy that's like, if you don't do it my way, you're getting benched forever. And I'm never. Regret. Yes. And it's, it's like, exactly what I right, told you last week. I was way wrong on this. So I yeah. credit to you. You were right. I was wrong. not even that. It's just you don't need an old school guy behind the bench. Yeah. You need a new school guy. Behind, and that's what I've been saying along. Like Hackstall could have been the closest thing the Flyers have had to that. Yeah. Like look back at the Flyers coaches in the recent history, how much more hard ass they've really been like let's start off with peter laviolette yes he runs the message hard he's an old school coach yes he gets a lot out of you but he wears you down craig baruby okay also guy who's going to be difficult and wear you down dave hackstall quieter more of a development working on skills but a guy after a while who's going to kind of wear you down a little bit the way he does things scott gordon seemed like a good players coach just wasn't a fit for long term av look Friendly face of the media, but he's really, really demanding on his players. It wears down. Mike, yo, we got to see about it. I mean, I, Rick Tockett's probably going to be the same thing, but he's more of, I think we've researched that to more of our, what his playing style was. But you look at a guy like Rod Brindamore. Like, Rod Brindamore looks like he'd be a real tough guy, and he is kind of like, you know, he looks like he's aggressive behind the bench. But when he's in the locker room with his team, he's very, very player-friendly, meaning he's not a yeller, he's not a screamer, he's more of a motivator. Rick Tockett's the same way from what I've understood. You, that's what you need. Like the game has changed where the guys don't want to be demanded anymore and really hard. They they wanted they wanted to be more of a relationship where they kind of like with like your boss or whatnot, where you want to go and have like an actual real conversation with your boss and right. do that you, the way modern work is. They're, at the end of the day, they're human beings. So you have to understand that that's where everything is going. Tutorella coming here and yelling and screaming, you're not gonna get much out of it anymore. You're not gonna get yeah. demanding because you're not gonna have the respect factor there. People want to be understand that hey. You're going to be around for 82 games. We got a long night together. I don't want to be coming into work being all anxious and saying, oh, God, he's going to yell at me today. You know, Scotty Bowman, what is one of the greatest coaches of all time, probably the greatest coach of all time in, in recent memory. He was a guy where I think it was, was it Nick Lidstrom? Uh, somebody said you hate him 364 days a year, and then one day you're holding the Stanley Cup over your head, and he's the best coach in the world. Right. Some guys get it, but that was 20 years ago. Scotty Bowman retired in 2002. That was 20 years ago when it was still acceptable. The game has changed. You think John Cooper's yeller and screamer? No, John Cooper's a player's coach. Like Mike Sullivan, a player's coach. Like these guys are players' coaches. So that's you have to go back to what John Stevens really was back then. That's what he was. He just didn't get enough of a team that had a lot of stars on it. That's when you needed a hard guy. For the this team, you need. You need, oh God, I don't know. I'm going to hate making this analogy. And I, I really hope it does work out. My hope you need like a Doug Peterson. That's crazy. No, that's not a bad comparison. Peter- yeah, Doug Peterson was the ultimate player's coach. He was a former player, obviously, when he was at, at Green Bay and the Eagles and a few other places, if I remember correctly. Like yep. these, you need someone as close, if not directly with, that understands 
what a player is going through when they're on a downtrot, when they're on an uptrot, whatever it may be, and when they're just playing average. You need right. that guy. That's why Rick Tockett does make sense. I mean, if you look at it, the, the him being a player's coach, yes, I understand the hesitation that some people might have because of Phoenix and Arizona, whatever you want to call them, but that place is such a dumpster fire in, in from the top down. You don't really know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Sadly, right. we just talked about how the Flyers are on the verge of being a dumpster fire. Like they're a poorly run organization. So yeah, it's great that a player's coach is going to come into this system and hopefully develop the players that are on hand, the veterans and get them more adequated to the system. But what does that mean for your future? And what I mean by that is like, do, is it a good thing? Because then players will want to look at Rick Tockett that are players that are going to be free agents and say, yeah, we can, we, I want to go over there and play, x amount of years for the flyers this is my my tenure this is what i want to do or is it a well i want to play here but the team doesn't want to spend money or whatever bill matt's made a great point and we on our twitter account i mean they basically said like they know how to spend money but they're not good at it correct exactly like exactly they spend money in poor places we talked about gritty and all that stuff and yeah like, like it's just like if you're not spending the right money on your scout department, on your because hockey honestly, operations, yeah, just you need to any- spend on hockey operations. You need to be more invested in that, especially your scouting department. Because you look at a team like Tampa, like you know, Tampa has probably some of the best scouts in the league. Look at the teams they've built over the last decade. I mean, they yeah. every time they lose players for salary cap reasons, they wind up replacing them with players who are just as good, if not better. They never have that drop off of talent. They have they have identity of what they're looking for. And I don't think the Flyers really know what they want out of a player. They try to go with that best player available method. Yeah. But no, like you go back to what Mr. Snyder did. Like, okay, we're going to get tougher. We need to find players who are tough, 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 tough. You can find players that are tough, but then they, they look for players that are skill and speed, skill and speed, a lot of skill, a lot of speed. That's what they look for. Are they raw in certain areas? How does their skating translate to the NHL level? They, a lot of that stuff, granted, they're all looking for it, but they have, they don't clearly have an identity of what they're looking for. Fast, speed, do with good, do smart things. I don't know exactly what they look for at certain that You can't go with just the best player available because at the end of the day, it is arbitrary. I mean, not to throw a, a player out there, but the second plus player to draft when you were Nolan Patrick, that's saying something. So it, it's all arbitrary what you're looking at, but you really got to have that talent there. And you got to find from these smaller markets where they can't go out and be like a big spender and not that the league really does it anymore, but you can't go out and you can't move players like you have to. So you have to get to find them. You have to draft them. You have to scout for them. And I feel like the Flyers could do better with an investment there. Or if they're not doing well enough, then find somebody in a different market who's had a proven track record of a scouting staff and bring them in. Not more of this backdoor guys have been here for 20 years. are going to keep here for 20 years because you've been mediocre for half of them. So, you yeah, know, and you're not I, finding I, enough talent there. Honestly, you, you just look anywhere. You talked about Tampa. Just find someone in, in the Tampa scouting department that's not a high level exec or whatever, like the head scout, whatever they are, mid tier to low tier scout, bring them in and say, Hey, we have this job opportunity. What do you need? What do you want? Like you you should be poaching. You need to start poaching from these guys. Vegas is actually a pretty decent scouting department too. It seems like they, they, they have a good consistency ever since they've been expanded. Obviously they have the Stanley cup run in their inaugural inaugural season, but like, Anything that of a top tier team, 
is anything. Boston, Tampa, Vegas, like all of these teams, uh, like all of them, you have to try and model yourselves after them. And they've been so reluctant to do that. It's like, it's like, yeah, those, the other thing is that those, those teams also use analytics to a point, not exclusively, but you don't want to be like the Philadelphia Phillies as another example in this town that have went completely the other way and said, we are going to hire the best analytics, best analytic department. They built a building. If you're familiar with the South, there's that building. I think it's on 11th and Darien. There's an entire building devoted to their scouting or excuse me, their analytics department. Like it's it's absurd how much they want to invest into the analytics. You have to find that perfect balance. That's what Tampa has done. Like yeah, so, so you have agreed. to find a way to model yourself after Tampa. Otherwise, you're you know a load of crap that you'll never dig yourself out of. And here's the problem. Once you get too analytical, once everybody's on the same page, everybody's looking at the same things, you get too analytical. The reason why analytics are so big is because of Billy Bean and, mm-hmm. and what he did with the athletics, but he was the first one to do it because he had no choice. He didn't have the money to do anything. He had to find those guys that way. If you start doing all that stuff, and that's why I'm not a huge fan of analytics. I'm, I'm really, really big on the eye test because it's all from when I look at a player, it looks at, I look at his skating ability and how smart is he with the puck? I don't care if you can shoot. I mean, at the end of the day, like, I'm not looking for a next-level sniper. Like, they're so few and far between when you find them, you know. It doesn't matter if they can shoot and, you know, hit all four corners and no matter what every single time. But if they can't skate, they are not going to get any opportunities. I'm looking for skating ability, and I'm looking for brains because I want the guy who makes a spark play, not to fit the, you know, the puck into a two-inch by three-inch hole, you know, once every 20 shots, you know. So right. that, that's what you're looking, looking- for. And looking for that defenseman to go go with a guy with brains, like just a guy that can move the puck. I think the Flyers' biggest, one of their struggles, of especially over the 10-game losing streak, and honestly, just beyond that, Provorov has really struggled to break out, get his the puck up the ice. Like the, the, the blue line as a whole has been playing very, very poor in terms of just turning the getting the puck out of tra- in transition and getting back into the offensive zone after clearing, making simple, clean clears of the puck. And maybe that has to do with Ryan Ellis and all the jumbling of the lines and not being out in Nate Sealer or Nick, whatever the hell his name is. Like, I don't care anymore. I'm tired of seeing Sealer. I like, a bit, like I get Cam York is now in COVID protocol or whatever. Yeah, he was, uh, yeah. Fletcher said uh, in the press conference, whichever one it was, because he obviously had two and, five days or whatever it was but like Sound a little he, frustrated bill yeah it, it's it's like he's just one of the like there's nothing nothing about this screams oh yeah we're back baby like nothing nothing does and not it's not gonna be that until i mean like i said this week is a relatively easy week you got the devils again tomorrow night at home then you have montreal who is the second worst team in the nhl right now right but right in front of uh arizona and then you have Ottawa, who's been trying to rebuild for the last six seasons, it seems. So, yeah. like, if they don't get this, like, they have to get all this, all the points available. They have to get all six. They have to. I think because, four out of six is acceptable. Look, like, you're just coin flip a jersey. Jersey's lost two in a row now. Like, yeah. you know, and they just shut them out three nothing. You got to think the Flyers are going to come out a little harder and play them better this time around, but... For whatever reason, they just can't score Mackenzie Blackwood. They they really really can't for whatever True. reason. So yeah. Mackenzie Blackwood has has a ridiculous record against the Flyers. And hey, I look at that. It's it's, it's a it's a coin flip. But there's no reason at all. And Ottawa's played some tough games lately, and they've gotten some decent. They got some really good goaltending and some matchups with Anton Forsberg, who's coming along for them. But Montreal, 
when you lose your top goaltender and Carey Price and you lose Shea Weber and then you lose Jesperi Kakanyemi, you know, to an offer sheet, you're losing three massive pieces. That's another team that's a complete turmoil because they don't have a GM right now. So that team's just an absolute mess in there. And they went to you went to game five of the Stanley Cup final last season. So that's that team's an absolute disaster right now, unfortunately. But they, there's no reason they should come out with four out of six points. I, I, I would even say, given the recent circumstances, I'd be okay with three. Like, if you if you wind up getting – because Ottawa's going to play them tough. Ottawa always plays the Flyers tough. They have in recent memory. Do not underestimate them. They play the Flyers tough. They play a tough form of hockey, even though they're not quite refined yet. That team's only a piece or two away from being really good, actually. Right? I don't think they're as far as people think. But the Devils always give them a hard time. I think Montreal, they should be able to beat Montreal, but Ottawa, I just have a feeling that they're going to either get, they don't get the win. They're going to only get a point out of it, but I don't think they'll straight up loosen it. But if it's anything less than three points this week, four is, four is what it should be. I'm okay with three. Anything less than that's just you're back at where you were last week. Yeah. Could you, could you said Ottawa is only a piece away? Uh, can I interest them in a Claude Giroux? Claude Giroux? I don't think that piece of way. I just, you know, I watch Claude Giroux from Ottawa. I mean, come on. You know they have they have the tools in place like a guy like Brady Kachuk and like their goaltending's yeah. been pretty decent and you know the Matt they had to, they, Matt Murray sent down to the AHL like he's a guy where you know he's won two Stanley Cups yet he can't even crack the NHL right now he's got some problems going on there, um, but I just feel like Ottawa's they're not they're not terrible I they I just don't feel like that team has been so bad for so long they're just they're not as they're kind of right where the Flyers are at really like they're just a couple pieces away from really being a good team but. I just haven't put it together yet for whatever reason, but they've, they've won their last game. You know, Montreal's lost three in a row and the devils have lost their last two. So yeah, it's prime for six points this week in a five game win streak. But is it likely? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't trust this team with anything right now. No, I, yeah, you, I, I, everybody, you, there's no reason you keep wearing that bag over your head and don't just keep your head down. Watch just do the classic. I hate this team. And I'm also going to watch this team because you can't you can't take your eyes off of them because, you know, the talent is there. I, like it, it, that's the most frustrating part. We talked about how the, the talent is there on this roster. And for some reason, the coach, the analytics, the scouting, the co- assistant coaches, just the players themselves, maybe the co- cohesion between the all the all 12 forwards, like nothing it seems to go right despite the talent. So, yeah, I, I, I honestly will be disappointed if it's not five points or more. Like, you yeah. got to get something out of this. Yeah, a, 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 a hard two wins and an overtime loss or a shootout loss, fine. You can convince me that you may be back. But then you have, and we'll talk about it more next week, you have Washington and Pittsburgh right before the Christmas break. Like, it's not any, it's not like you have these easy schedules, uh, this easy week for the, for the foreseeable future which is kind of crappy because obviously you had three weeks, it seemed, of hard-nosed hockey or against hard opponents, which is fine. But we talked about it. That was the litmus test. They completely right. failed the litmus test. We know where they are. They're the bottom feeder right now. And that's what the standings show. And thankfully, and not thankfully, but and everything lines up. All of the teams that should be at the top in the East and the Atlantic and the Metropolitan are there. So... And if the Flyers want to be like that, they got to get back. Their their goal differentials tail terrible. They're minus twenty three on the season right now. Obviously because of the bad blowouts uh, to the Rangers. Uh, was it the Rangers? Yeah, 
um, yeah. this season. And it's just at some point, something's got to turn around. This is I, 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 I this is the week that Mike Yo gets to test his system. Will it work? Because if you want to test your system, you do it against crappy teams. And that's what you have in front of you. So get it done, Mike. Otherwise, we're talk- calling Rick Tockett before the Christmas break. Yeah. And you know what? And, and you look back at Flyers history, I looked at a couple things here. I mean, when they changed coaches right away, it's not an instant fix. I mean, no, no, when, no, they, no. when they lost to, you know, the, the you know, that when John Stevens got canned. And next thing you know, they still lost a couple games and they won one and they lost two and won one. And they went on a four game losing streak. And then they started turning it around quite a bit. But it took them until like the end of the calendar year and back in like, you know, like I'm, for instance, I'm looking back like here in 2009, 2010, just for example, but they don't write the ship right away, but they will write the ship at some point. Well, I, remember, look, I remember 13, 14, when Craig Ruby came around, they took them a couple games to get going. But then after that, they were in the second half of the like 2014 calendar year, they were the best team in hockey for months yeah. by far. And just, they just, they couldn't get out of the first round. So well, that's what makes around. that. I, I don't doubt that they'll turn it around. They'll probably be competitive at the end of the season. But they have no faith in anyone to, that they'll actually do it. But I think they, ironically, I think they do get that done. But that what's that's what makes the timing of the firing to, just to revisit that real quick. Like that's what makes the visiting the firing the timing of the firing so frustrating because you could have fired him on that game right after New Jersey or excuse me the Rangers on Thursday morning, gotten Mike Yo implementing his system on a three game break or a three day break, which probably means two practices between then uh, and the, your next game, which was against the lightning, you probably would have lost to the lightning either way. You might've beaten Colorado because you had already, you scored five goals on the first night of, of Mike Yo's tenure and you lost seven, five like that. Like you were not winning that game the same day that you fired your head coach. So yeah. I think it, it just, it annoys me that you could have had your coach have two days two practices to implement his new system to get something going. And you decided instead to fire him on, on that Monday. I don't think it makes a difference. Honestly, it doesn't make a difference. I think that that, that game for Vigneault was just the, after three days off, that was the absolute worst response. You had to see how the players responded. They had good practice up to that point, And you had to see how they responded when you saw that they didn't. Yeah. That's when you realize, Oh, you know what? We really don't have a choice now. We can't wait till tomorrow. We can't lose those points. Like we can't wait. Oh, you know what? You'll he goes, what happens? Here's what happens. You're at rock bottom at that point. Say you beat Colorado. You're just delaying the inevitable. You're just delaying it. So the fact that they did a change now before they went in this couple uh, game road trip, now you want two in a row. Now you're primed up where you can win and go from losing 10 in a row to all of a sudden winning five in a row, which you've done before. So yeah. it is possible. It's just a matter of this team is going to take a little while for it to get their stuff together. And once they do, though, I, I just have a feeling that once that calendar year starts to turn around a little bit, you'll see a bit of a different team. Because you know what? Regardless of everything I said, regardless of the fact that I dislike the ownership, regardless, I still believe they should sell the team, regardless that I'm fully and fully believe in the bag at the broad movement. I'm not changing my prediction. I believe this roster should get to an Eastern Conference final. If that's wow. the case, I'd say that I'm absolutely I'm wrong. Tang, listen, the odds are stacked against you right now. I was going to say, the this is already that's on the table, man. Take. I've already got the cards in hand. I'm not changing that prediction. <laughs> I still think that this team is talented enough to get to the conference final. God damn it, until they prove me wrong, I'm going to believe that. 
You know, the 10 I, game I, losing streak has proved you wrong. <laughs> well, listen, it's still a regular season. I mean, if That's you true. want to go back, look in revisionist history, look at the 2011 2012 Los Angeles Kings. Yeah. Same concept. Like they were dog shit. And then all of a sudden, they get a new coach in there and they go and run the table to the Stanley Cup. And granted, yeah. like, this is why I'm saying it's way too early to judge because, you know, Daryl Sutter, yes, he had taken his team to a final before, but. Mike Yo has had some decent success in this league coming into a coach as a midseason replacement, getting to the playoffs and then, you know, to a late a mid to late second round run, but, you know, not getting swept out, but, you know, losing like six games in the second round and getting close to that conference final. Not like a guy can't coach. So you just got to see if he's learned his lessons from, you know, things he might have done differently with previously. That could be the case. Everybody deserves a second chance. So, you know, that you got to give the guy a shot. You got to give him a fair shot. As much as we all want Rick Tockett, if he continues to win games, he's getting something out of him. You don't need to replace it. If it doesn't start working, then you got to revisit what are you doing here from now on? Are you going to reset where you're not going to play? You're going to re, you know, start already focused on next season. The season's really in the balance like this week. Like, honestly, you can yeah. drop these games like you're, you're in trouble. Like, you're really in trouble. But if you win five in a row, you're losing 10 in a row. Well, guess what? You're right back in the mix of it. And and now it's time to put on your big boy pants and go play some hard hockey. Yeah. All right. That is going to do it for this week on Orange and Backcheck. My God. I like we're going to still watch this stupid team. That's really what it all comes down to. We're still going <laughs> to watch. I'm going to have a paper bag on. Yep. Yeah. Um, we're back. They're not bad enough to, 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 to disinterest us, but they are not good enough to, you know, keep us interested. Get, get, you know, to, no, to, to, to walk away from. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. Good that's to win. exactly. They're not good enough to win anything. Not, yeah, but you can't walk away from them yet. No, and it's sad. I mean, uh, until this, and I don't see it changing. Even if, like, I, credit to you for having that. That still holding true to your prediction. I, I respect it. I, it. I think they'll barely. I think they'll scrape into the scratch and claw, and like barely make the playoffs because just continue that trend of that ten game losing streak uh, each season that they've had it, and they still made the playoffs. So. That is going to do it. Episode 96, Orange and Backcheck. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all that good stuff. It's in our uh, podcast description, in the podcast description below. Uh, keep wearing those bags. Back at the broad, baby. See you next week. <laughs> they got one in the bag, at least. I can't believe they did that.